Hello and welcome to another episode of the Highlights Podcast. We are your hosts for this episode, Chase Green and Caleb Rutherford. And today we have a special guest, Gage Coldwater, who would like to highlight his mission work known as the MANA Project. Gage is with us at a lectureship in Marietta, Oklahoma, so we're taking this opportunity to record this week. And Gage, it's good to have you on the podcast with us. It's a pleasure to be here. We hope that this will shine a good light on the work that you're doing. I know that this is a very important work, and uh, there's a lot of different tenets of this work, I guess. You've, you've got a lot of different places that this is being done, but we'll get to that. But before we do that, Gage, would you kind of introduce yourself to our audience? So I'm Gage Coldwater, as you've already mentioned, but uh, I grew up in Oklahoma, attended the Memphis School of Preaching, graduated there in 2006. And I've preached in Tennessee and Oklahoma, Texas, and been doing mission work since 2010 all over the world. Been blessed to be able to travel, blessed to have my wife Kelly, been married almost 20 years now, and two teenagers, Pike and Aurora. Aurora is 17 and Pike is 15. And I preach currently at the Wewoka Church of Christ in Wewoka, Oklahoma. Gage is a good guy. I really appreciate Gage. I uh, met him when he was doing a little ranching in Thackerville, which is just south of us in Marietta. And uh, I told this in the lectureship earlier, but Gage had me building some fence one time with him. And it really took me back to my high school days working in in uh, ranching slash uh, horses and hay fields and those sorts of things. That's hard work. Uh, it'll make a man out of you. And uh <laughs> Gage, you uh, you put me to work that day, and I kind of enjoyed it actually. Uh, it'll it'll either make a man out of you or kill you. That's yeah, one of the two options. <laughs> right, right. But uh, yeah, that was a enjoyable change of pace for me, and it's been good to uh, get to know you uh, over the last year or so, and uh, appreciate your work very very much. And we've we've been up to Wawoka as well, and uh, very nice folks there, and uh, your work there speaks well of you. So yeah, it's appreciate a good you there. Yes, sir. We appreciate you joining us for this episode of Highlights. So, Gage, the the MANA Project, what exactly is the MANA Project, and can you tell us where all this is located? Okay, so the MANA Project is really, it's a, a mission work with the ultimate goal of trying to reach the world with the gospel of Jesus Christ, but what we try to do is we achieve this by training men to preach, but then equipping those men to preach to go back to their villages. Most of the time, these guys are in villages that can't be, well, the the villages aren't able to support them as preachers. So if they're going to go back, they're going to have to be self-supported. And we try to equip them with the skill set when they go back to those villages where they can, most of the time, grow their own food. Um, So the world, as we know it in the United States, is kind of flipped on its head from the rest of the world. Um, specifically like third world countries. So in like a third world country, about 90% of a person's budget would go towards food. As in America, the opposite. We spend about 10% of our monthly budget on food. Well, so if you can teach somebody to grow their own food, they can deal with a major portion of their budget just by doing such a simple thing as being able to grow a garden, raise chickens, maybe raise some rabbits or goats or pigs for for me. And so we train them. So they go, come to one, maybe one of our preaching schools and they will be trained for two years. But while they're there, we have a school farm that trains them and educates them in how to do that when they go back. And then when they graduate, we usually 
buy them maybe like a, a goat or two to get them started, give them a bunch of seeds, um, maybe some plants that they have started already at the school, um, just as a, a jump start to help those. And then we're there as a constant, you know, aid if they need it, trying to help them get going with that to keep them in the, in the field of preaching. I mean, because what good is it for us to train them to preach if they're only going to quit just a few years later because yeah. they can't be supported? Um, and I think we all know that the truth of the matter is, you know, if you've ever been on Facebook, you know, you've probably been reached out to somebody from India or Africa looking for support, but it's hard to know whether you should support that person or not, yeah. right? Like, do you know, is this valid? Is this true? Is this real? What's their real need? Well, what if we could equip them where they didn't have to get out on Facebook mm. and beg for funds? So what we want to do, matter of fact, we think that's an awful model. So what if we could train them to do that in their villages? But, and then take it to the next step. What if they could do that with the rest of the congregation, train the rest of the congregation to grow more food, take care of themselves? Um, what if we could train them to use that as a source of evangelism, growing food that they could then use as, you know, something that they could give to others um, to help people in their villages, which would open the door for them to be able to preach the gospel to them. So that, that's kind of our model for our preaching schools. And that was originally our major mission and goal. Um, and we've even, we've grown a lot since we started in 2010 with that mission. Um, so we've started three preaching schools, um, one in Uganda, one in Tanzania, and we have one in Cameroon that's all on its own now, um, but which was the ultimate goal for each of these schools. But now we're doing a lot of working with congregations on a very personalized level in third world countries, trying to help them. And we're building a curriculum right now that is going to help them go from being like, for instance, a new church plant all the way up to being into the, what we would call the phase of replication where they're going and planting new congregations. Right. A lot of congregations in third world countries don't feel like they're equipped to do that. A lot of them don't feel like they could ever have a full-time preacher. So what are you going to do? So we've got a curriculum. It's a year long curriculum we're developing right now. And we're going to, for instance, in Nepal, we've got a hundred congregations signed up for this spiritual growth program for the congregation. That's awesome. And what we want them to be able to do is, is go and figure out how to get elders and deacons from the Bible. Yeah. But a lot of times they don't have the resources that we have here in the United States. Um, you know, you go into any preacher's office or church library, you're going to find hundreds of books, a lot of aids and helps in English, but they don't have that there. So what we're trying to do is build a huge collection. We're going to have it on our website where they can go on there. They can get everything they need help them get elders, deacons. What are they going to do about a preacher? You know, this new congregation's been planted, say, like Western Nepal, where we just planted several congregations. Well, how are they going to have a preacher? They don't even have enough money to feed themselves hardly. So what we're doing is we're training them how that, if you've got four men, for example, because they don't have Sunday evening services or Wednesday evening services like we do traditionally here. What if you had four men, though, and each of them took one lesson per month? Well, they don't need a full-time preacher. Right. That's actually probably not the best thing for that congregation. They want to be American. So they see us in America like we are, and they want to be like us. But is that really the best thing for them? What if we yeah. could just train them where they did all the preaching? They did all the work. Well, mm -hmm. if you've ever preached, you know you're the one that's growing the most oh, when yeah. preaching, right. in my opinion. Right. So how good is that going to be for the congregation that if you get the men more engaged? Well, they're going to grow. Right. And we teach them how to do evangelism. Matter of fact, I'm working with Rob Whitaker, and we are getting all of the back to the Bible and house to house school of evangelism translated into every language where we're working. Wow. And then we're going to be training men to train others in how to do back to the Bible 
evangelism. Um, so there's this huge opportunity for us to go in and work with these congregations. They don't need handouts. They need a hand up. They need, they need help to become the congregation that God wants them to be. And so that's a large portion of our work now is, you know, sure we're traditionally known as like this agricultural mission work, yeah. but in, in truth, that's actually become a very small portion of, of what we actually are doing. So would you say, <clears throat> so would you say that a big part of your goal is to get these congregations to be self-sufficient? Absolutely. That's yeah. the whole goal. Yeah. Become an autonomous congregation. that's completely self-reliant. For instance, there's a congregation in Kathmandu, Nepal, and it's the new banished word church of Christ. And, their elders, their preacher there decided, man, we're going to really make an effort to being this autonomous congregation. But we want to, we want to truly be the, the, the test for being autonomous would be then the ability to go out and replicate. And during the COVID years is when they decided to do this. So starting in 2020, they really put this effort out. Well, in the last three years, they've planted nine congregations in Nepal. And they've done like this tremendous work. Well, it's not Americans doing it. It's this native indigenous group of people that are going out and doing the work. Well, that's, shouldn't that be the whole goal, right? You know, you go into the, into the world and you preach the gospel to every creature, but then you're to teach and baptize them and then teach them to observe all right, things. Right. Well, one of those things is to be autonomous. One of those things is to be self-supported and self-governed in a sense, to be able to then go out and do the same thing. Well, what if, I mean, we've been saying this for years, but someday Europe's experiencing this already, but there's going to be a day when they're going to be coming here. Yeah. Um, it's just a matter of, but what if we could get them equipped now, you know, and get them growing and it's not anything under an American thumb. There's, there's no reason that churches in Africa, Asia, South America should be under the thumb of an American congregation. Cause if they've got the Bible and they've got the resources, they can become the congregations that God wants them to be. Right. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, Caleb, what you got? Well, I was, and this may be one of the questions on here, but what, like, what's the, like, the history of this? Like, when did it, the Banner Project start? Who was behind it? You know, how so instrumental were you, I started the Banner guess? Project in 2010, <clears throat> and it was an accident. Okay. It was, it was not anything like it is now, and it certainly was not in my pipeline of dreams, but... So 2010, I was preaching for a congregation in Southeast Texas, and they were supporting a work in Kathmandu, Nepal, preaching school. And the men of the congregation, they didn't have elders, were heavily behind it. And they said, man, you ought to go. And I said, well, I'd love to. I'd love to travel and love to teach. This would be great. So I was asked to go and teach at this preaching school that they had in Kathmandu. So while I'm there, the students every day would come up to me and they'd say, you know, they really appreciate my class. Would I help support them because their families back home are starving? So I, my background is farming and ranching in Western Oklahoma. We were pretty, we were pretty poor growing up and uh, we grew a lot of our own food. I mean, like vast majority of our, we didn't go to the grocery store. My wife jokes that living where I lived was like stepping back in time, 50 to a hundred years. <laughs> um, my grandmother, you know, she had this giant pantry in her house mm-hmm. that was just lined with jars I don't know why you call it canned food, but it was jarred food. Right. Right. And, yeah. um, you know, we grew beef, we grew chickens, you know, and we had all that. And so the first thought that came to my mind when these students are asking me to support them so that they could feed their families because their families are starving is why don't you grow a garden? Like, that's like, 
yeah. this elementary thought. Absolutely. Yeah. And they're like, we don't know how. And I'm like, how do you not know how? Like, I've been around Kathmandu. There's gardens everywhere. Yeah. And a lot of them had lived in the inner city of Kathmandu for so long. And these other cities around Nepal, that they had lost the ability to know how to do that. That hadn't been passed on anymore. Okay. And so we started a class. I said, listen, I'll, I'll teach you guys how to grow a garden, how to raise chickens, how to raise rabbits. If you guys want in the afternoons after school's over. So as soon as school was wound up at four o'clock, instead of them all leaving, we stayed there and I taught them how to raise a garden, taught them how mm-hmm. to compost in Kathmandu. So, you know, they're predominantly Hindu. So they worshiped a cow. Well, there's cows walking around the city just everywhere. <laughs> so there's cow manure all over the streets. Yeah. And everywhere they go, I'm like, man, it's like fucking compost. Free fertilizer. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, so like, well, we don't even have soil here at the school. I'm like, well, let's build some. Yeah. Like you can make soil. So we're walking down the street, Kathmandu with buckets and rice, <laughs> old empty rice sacks with shovels, shoveling up cow manure off oh, the street. People are looking at us like, these people are insane. Yeah. What's this? You know, what's this white guy doing? Right. <laughs> so, but we taught him how to make compost, how to make their own soil. Yeah. Went and bought him some rabbits, taught him how to feed the rabbits, care for the rabbits, breed the rabbits, butcher a rabbit, and eat the rabbit. Like, so we bought some extra ones and I cooked them for him. And they were like, wow, this is amazing. I didn't know you could eat rabbit. <laughs> They're like, it tastes like chicken. And, yeah. Uh, so, you know, it was really cool. And so I came home and kind of had this burr in my seat about it. Like, man, somebody really ought to be helping. I wonder how many preachers are out there that don't know how to just feed their family. Yeah. I mean, and so it, at the congregation there, we had a, like about an acre behind our house. We were living in this preacher's house. And I asked him, man, I said, can I use that to, to build like a little test farm so I could maybe do some teaching and show these guys some pictures and do some hands-on stuff. And they're like, yeah. So we built what we called little Nepal back there. I had this little test farm and, and, it was wildly successful, and we did a lot of teaching from that. Matter of fact, Texas A&M even came and visited one day. They had heard about it. It was, <laughs> you know, really cool. That's cool. But um, we'd grown some some really awesome stuff there. But So it kind of just built from there, and then the next year, congregation in Vider, Texas, the elders invited me down one night to visit with them, and they're like, hey, we think you ought to do this full-time. And I'm like, do what? <laughs> yeah. They're like, your mission work. And I'm like, how is this going to work? And they're like, we're going to support you and you're going to do it full time. Wow. And the next thing I know, we're moving to Vider and we started working in Haiti. We were working in Nepal, started trade, like traveled to uh, Cameroon a couple of times and it just started growing. We brought Greg Knight on and uh, I believe it was 2014. Um, and Greg was this huge addition. Mm-hmm. He just really boosted our work. We did a whole lot of work down in Haiti. Um, in 2015, I had a, uh, a man from here in the United States tell me about a preacher in Uganda that was wanting to build a preaching school. And we'd worked with some preaching schools previously, and one of our experiences was it's really hard to retrofit a preaching school to do this mm-hmm. because you, know, you get stuck in your ways. Right. Well, and it's easier to take money from America than to be self-supporting. <laughs> so right. um, we thought, man, it'd be awesome to build our own preaching school, but could we really do that? Like, why not? You know, you, you got the Bible. Why, why can't you teach? You know, I went to mm-hmm. preaching school. Why can't we teach? So we, we went over, looked, and found some land, bought the land. Within the next year, we had built a preaching school. It cost us less than $30,000 to build a preaching school. Like, we really were kind of out yeah. of the box thinking on it. Um, we had three acres. We built a farm. And so we started school in 2016. And so that's the, in Uganda, that's our school, Sorenzori School of Preaching. 
and it just kind of took off like wildfire. The next thing we know, we're getting requests from you, um, from Cameroon to build a school up in, in the north um, west section. Um, so we went and built the school there. Um, then immediately after getting it built and started, that school essentially we could not go back to because there was a civil war in Cameroon. So within the last year, though, we've been able to cut that school loose, and they're operating on their own now. Oh, wow. Um, and then, so I think it was like 2019, we started a school. So in Tanzania, there's several schools of preaching, but, um, and good ones, you know, the Andrew Connolly School in the north and Chamala in the south. And, but we realized that there was nothing on the east coast of Africa there that was really focused in, like, the Muslim area africa and a lot of people told us we were crazy but you know I, we're never going to stop you know the the violence of islam right with more violence but we yeah. are going to stop it with the gospel sure so Amen. we moved into a heavily muslim zone and we set up the talawanda school of preaching and it's been extremely successful um lee wright and i spent some time we wrote a series of correspondence courses that were just for Muslims. We couldn't find anything in our brotherhood that was just for Muslims. So we wrote one. Hmm. I think to date it's about a thousand people have been converted. Wow. That. And, you know, that school is really working hard to becoming completely self-supporting actually. And so um, Maurice Gasper is the director there. It's just an awesome school. Spent um, my wife and I and my children, we went in 2019 and lived in Chamala, helped the Chamala mission in Southern Tanzania um, for about six months, worked there, helped them set up a farm and start working to be able to, I mean, that's, it's a huge mission. They've got hundreds of kids that live on the mission in secondary and primary schools. So helping them learn to grow and raise their own food and then working with the preaching school students that were there at the Chamala mission, training them as well. So that was a really cool experience we got to do. Um, so we've really grown a lot since then and added a lot more workers. Um, we hired Justin Hopkins, and he's now our director of academics. Um, Greg Knight, he is our coordinator for Africa. Um, we've hired uh, Josh Robinson, and he is doing all of our multimedia. One of our big dreams is to put all of this into video, all of our teaching material into video, and then put it into every language in the world that we can, have it all yeah. on this huge database on our website. So we've hired him, and he does a lot of our PR work going out and fundraising, giving reports to congregations. And then just in the last two months, we hired John McCormick from Texas, and he is working with us, and he is a staff writer, helping us write curriculum. Nice. And so the work has just really, really, really grown. Yeah. A lot yep. more than I ever thought. And sure. what is your website? It's manafarm.org. Manafarm.org. Yeah, we'll put that. M-A-N-N-A-F-A-R-M.org. We'll put it in the show notes below. People can find it. That's awesome, man. You like, it's kind of interesting. You know, we've talked to several people about several different uh, entities and different works and such. And even that, you know, like the network compared to y'all, we are tiny, right? Um, but <clears throat> everybody has always said at the beginning, it, it grew into something that they never, you know, thought it would. So it's, it's neat to see how God uses something like this that you never would have thought. You know, you know, you said you kind of stumbled into it. You had no idea what was about to happen, you know? Well, you never know what God, you know, is preparing you for right. through his providence. You know, I grew up, and so I was the youngest of three boys, and both my brothers drove tractors all day with my track with my dad, and where they were helping 
you know, move cattle or whatever. Sure. Being the youngest, I was often left home with like with my mom or my grandma. Yeah. And I spent a lot of time in gardens. Okay. And I never, and, and taking care of the chickens and doing some things, you know, like that back then I would gripe and go about, <laughs> right. think, why am I doing this when my brothers can be out there driving those big tractors? Or, yeah. You know, riding four wheelers, chasing cattle. And here I'm stuck at home yeah. gardening. Yeah. And then next thing I know, you know, my grandmother, she passed away a few years ago. She's a faithful member of the church. And, and, one day I was at her house and she said, Gage, you know, the Lord was preparing you for this. <laughs> That's right. I said, yeah, I know. I'd never thought it back then. Right. But, you know, I think we've all got talents that we have to use to the glory yeah. of God. And um, I just never thought gardening would be mine. <laughs> you earned your stripes, though, didn't so, you? That's, that's yeah. awesome. Well, how can our listeners support the Mana Project? So there's several ways. You know, of course, first, you know, we need prayers, um, encouragement. Uh, the, it is not easy to go on mission trips. Uh, it sounds glorious. And I'm sure some people think that we're kind of like, you know, I call them vacationaries. Yeah. So we're going over there and we're having this glorified vacation and calling it mission work. Um, and it looks fun and it looks exciting. And sometimes it is, but it's also hard on us. Um, so like we leave our families at home a lot. Yeah. That's hard. It's hard on our wives, hard on our kids. So we need prayers, encouragement in that. Cause it is, it's a great work, but you know, so are our families. Um, so Care we have packages to, with snacks and goodies, maybe. Oh man. When we lived in Africa, we had some <laughs> friends that would send us boxes of seasonings. <laughs> oh, <yeah. laughs> My kids, they loved it. One day a box came in and it was just like full of gummy bears. That's and, awesome. And, um, you know, that was, that was everything. Oh so that yeah. That kind of stuff is awesome. Um, but more than that, yeah, we need financial funds. I mean, we're, it costs a lot to travel now. Yeah. So we need funding to, to travel, to operate, to maintain websites, to produce material and literature and pay salaries and um, operate our preaching schools. And then we provide them operating funds to go out and do evangelism. And I know that within just the time frame of the mission work being going, we've had over at least 4,000 recorded baptisms, you know. Right. So it, awesome. it costs a lot of money to go do that kind of evangelism and kind of work. So every penny that we can get is so useful. So you can donate online right? on our website at manafarm.org backslash donate. Um, and every, every person that works with the Mana Project, their funds are overseen by their local congregation. Mm -hmm. And uh, there's some site, there's some links on our website that would, when you click on, you know, like for instance, if you go to the about page and it tells you about each of our workers, they'll even have, most of us have a PayPal link mm -hmm. and that funds will go to our congregation and then they'll, be able to use that to help support our work. Yeah. Um, or you can send checks to the Mana Project. You know, information's there on our website for that as well. Right. Do y'all put out uh, print material like in print form or is it all digital or? We do. We have both print and um, digital material. Yeah. Um, so all of our, uh, all of our supporters, every quarter we send out a big newsletter. Um, we used to send it every month, but we grew to a point that it's pretty cost prohibitive. Mm. So we send it out every quarter. Um, but with bringing Josh Robinson on board, <laughs> we have like every other day reports going out on our Facebook page. Right. And, emails right. and so that's an Instagram, which is awesome. And video yeah. is amazing video work. So that's been real blessing. And you can go to our webpage and there's, a, there's like, for instance, a magazine about the Mana project. You can go in there and you can, it's a PDF. You can download it, print it off if you want to have that you know it tells all about the work we do 
Right. Um, but it's also in digital form. So sounds like you guys need a podcast. Huh? It sounds like you guys need a podcast. Yeah, I need go. somebody to do the podcast. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Congratulations. You guys there you go. Yes. <laughs> You're hired. That's I right. needed something else to do. Yeah, all right. <laughs> That's what I was thinking too. Well, Gage, you don't know much about being a man of many hats, do you? No, not at all. <laughs> well, awesome. we appreciate you. Appreciate yeah. you telling us about the Mana Project. Any final thoughts, guys, before we wrap it up? Uh, just, I mean, super excited. I, so I didn't know much about the Mana Project. Um, I had heard of it, didn't never really uh, dove into it, but because I've gotten to know you a little bit, I think over the last year or so, um, just in talking, and this has been super eye opening for me. Well, um, I, I had to be honest. I'm not a very good PR man. That's why you don't know much, but that's why Josh is. That's right. Is that that why you got on to me for giving you your introduction earlier at the lectureship? I'm not good at it. You don't like like don't like lectureship introductions. I don't don't like the spotlight being on me. Yeah, I hear that. I hear that. But I do love talking about the work, so it's sure right for sure. It's a blessing. Awesome. Yes, sir. Definitely prayers for you and for the Mana Project as y'all you know continue doing all that you can for the Lord. Thank you. Yep, that's right. We appreciate you, Gage, for being here and talking to us about the Mana Project and for uh, Caleb and myself as well. We appreciate our listeners also for tuning in to this episode of the Highlights Podcast. Make sure and tune in next time as we highlight another work in the Brotherhood. And before we end, Gage is actually going to be episode number one. Oh, nice! Of uh, did that really happen? Uh, yes. podcast that we That's love right. to air over the summer. Uh, it's just it's just an eight-week podcast every year, but we have an opportunity to sit down with some guys who, especially you, having gone, you know, in tons of mission work. I'm Did sure that you really know, happen mission work? I'm sure you have some style. crazy, crazy right. stuff you can yeah, talk about. So yeah. uh, we'll be looking forward uh, to that in the, first, in the first week of June. Uh, certainly excited for that. So Sounds good. All right. Uh, appreciate everybody. God bless. Thank you so much for listening to this episode on the Scattered Abroad Network. We are grateful for your continued support as well as your continued prayers. If you would like to find out more about our network, please visit our website at scatteredabroad.org. We look forward to studying with you again soon. May God bless you.